I, I can't go on. I can't go on, Rachel. I'm too weak. I'm too weak. I can't do it anymore. Are you are you about to die of a broken heart? No. Have no. You lost no. Unlimited memes. This Hello. is Revenge of the Memes, isn't it, this movie? Like This is Star Memes, episode meme, the meme of the Sith. Yes, this is, yeah. <laughs> I feel we've reached up, but we're a bit punch drunk, if we're honest, aren't we? We we have done now six Star Wars films in as many days, and and oh boy, are we feeling it about now? After yesterday, and the slog that was yesterday, I had yeah, I had no hopes for today. Uh, But actually, really frustratingly, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it right the way up until the last 30, 40 minutes when I felt like it had run out of steam and I had run out of steam watching it, to be honest. There were still lots happening, but I just felt like it could have been shorter. There, I think there were clearly bits that could have been taken out. Um, but yeah, I'm actually kind of mad at how much I liked this movie. I, I mean, I came to the realisation a while ago that I, I love Revenge of the Sith. Unabashedly, unashamedly, this is not a great film by any stretch of the imagination but this is I, I, I've said this before you know this is the film which encapsulates what it is to be a Star Wars film better than any other this is cheesy pulpy science fiction schlock this, this is a, a modern big budget retelling of a 1930s Flash Gordon serial it's all up there on the screen it's hammy as all hell I love it uh, you're absolutely right this film drags towards the very end but there's, there's bits in here dialogue is clunky as all hell but i, but I just a lot I less just... dialogue in it did you notice there was a lot less dialogue there's large the, chunks uh, where there is no talking and i loved it there's moments in this film where they're given and we're given a chance to breathe one of my favorite sequences in this film is the moment when padme is in her apartment and anakin is in the jedi temple and it's Silent. It just lets the music and the visuals convey emotion. They're not there telling you what they're feeling. And I'm like, where was this director for the last two films? Because th- this this is not my experience so far. Also, we ha- we we I dare I say it, we have acting and, and emotion. <laughs> how, dare, believe, how dare you say there is acting in a I Star be- Wars film? I believe in this film that Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker are not are not only colleagues. Dare I say it, friends who like each other. Brothers, I mean, maybe. Brothers who, who who reportedly love each other, uh, and and I, I believe that this this you know what the problem with Revenge of the Sith is, and I mean this in a good way though. This, this film basically it does everything that the previous two should have done, meaning the previous two films do not need to exist to give us all the information we need to go into the original trilogy. There is nothing in The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones that we don't get from this film, either shown on screen or just through a throwaway bit of dialogue. And it's like, you know what? If you were to do the machete order, you could probably go four, five, three, and six and be good. And I don't think you're really missing out on anything. I mean, I'm not disagreeing in the slightest. Uh, this film was, I dare say at points, a delight to watch. At it point. was fun. It was fun. This was a fun film. <laughs> it's the kind of film I want to sit and watch around Christmas, you know, when there's nothing else to do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's, it is just fun. It, and that's the other reason why I think this is the best Star Wars film. Because Star Wars is silly. It's very premise, it's silly. How dare and, you? And yet, here we are. And, and this film kind of embraces that. 
and, and not in the way that Attack of the Clones did with its stupid C-3PO um, trying to do his best Buster Keaton impressions and, you know, slapstick comedy. Not in that way. Just in the, in the moment when they're trying to rescue Dooku, not Dooku, uh, rescue Pal- Palpatine, and they're running around and the rail shields come up. And we go, rail shields? Hang about, we're better than this. Apparently not. I just, I just love that it whole sequence. It felt very <laughs> Monty Python esque in places, or that whole, you know, and I think particularly with some of the dialogue, or, or possibly even, I dare say, elements of that kind of uh, silly Black Adderness to it. But that very, um, not comedy sketch, but that that nonsensical silliness in a serious space, um, which I really enjoyed. And you know, when he says. Anakin, I have the high ground. That is not a serious line. There is no part of that line that is trying to be serious. No, it's not. I mean, I, yeah, perhaps a misstep mis- given the gravitas they're trying to, to convey in that moment, but I still love it. It's just, it's it's great. But can we please just talk about what a banging introduction this, this film has? I oh, yeah. love the intro- this might be my favourite space battle, and I love the one in Return of a Jedi. It is, it is great, but that moment where you got the drums as, as it comes in, and then giant star destroyer below you, well, and the two fighters, and, and oh and, yeah! <laughs> but this, this is my favourite crawl because the first thing it says is "war!" Exclamation mark. There is yeah. no, <laughs> there is no the trade senate or there's no ta- there's no taxation. There's no there's, 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 there's no there's no war. <laughs> Uh, this film, apparently. Yes, an excellent <laughs> Star Wars title sequence is what war is good for. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the Coruscant space battle is an absolute wing. I love the kind of little proto X-wingy things that they're kind of flying. The, you know, you can sort of see how in 30 years that is going to become an X-wing and a TIE fighter. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. How it's not too I, in I, your face. I, I, I love also, I, I now believe that Anakin is a good pilot. You know, again, that throwaway line from the first Star Wars film, however many months ago we watched that, when he goes, you know, when I first met your father, he was a fine pilot, but I couldn't believe how strongly the force flowed through him. And and we see that in this opening sequence. That's all I needed to see. It was awesome. <laughs> I love the fact that we go straight from a dogfight into, a, you know, a, a, a space battle dogfight, then to some straight laser sword action. Like, there is no waiting for a lightsaber there's no way to like here we go here is your space battle here is your lightsaber we're six minutes in and we're done with that thank you very much this is where we're at so and i just also have to mention i just also have to mention i really 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 love the line when obi-wan's arguing with his r2 unit and and the r2 is clearly telling him he needs to make the evasive actions and, and uh, obi-wan's just gonna oh, oh okay okay nothing too fancy goes, <laughs> and that almost felt alec uh, alec mcginnessy in there a little bit didn't it that whole kind of i don't really like doing this space flight stuff but i'm a jedi and i do the thing i'm a paladin i'm amazed but you know can we just keep it simple please just keep it simple the stuff with the lift is all kind of comedy of errors it's what i think they were trying to do in attack of the clones with the with the uh uh factory sequence works much better in this you know kind of a a bodged rescue you know this is not sleek Mm -hmm. clean spies you know this is this is kind of bodged We're, we're making it up as we go along but we're better than this um i think that's great um, and I love I think something I noticed particularly in this film that I didn't notice in the previous films is how nimble Anakin is in mm-hmm. this film and how, what a contrast that is to Vader having you know four days ago watched Vader who is you know 
slow and clunky and doesn't have that kind of nimbleness that Anakin does. And I think that's just a really nice contrast, whether it was on purpose or not, but I'm choosing to think it was great. Well, I, I think you can also see, if you look at behind-the-scenes stuff, both of these films, but also from uh, the recent Ahsoka series and Obi-Wan, is just Hayden Christensen, he really took on board all of the uh, the training they gave when they were doing the lightsaber stuff. And his choreography is is unsurpassed. I, I'd pretty much say he's one of the greatest lightsaber wielders that we've had in all of the Star Wars films because he, he really committed. And, and, and that really comes across in any time we see him you know, wielding a lightsaber, you know, all, all those little flourishes he's doing, all, all the twirls with the lightsaber and the little tricks, you know, that's all Hayden Christian. So um, we doff our cap for the commitment there. Um, I, I think the first, we'll, 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 we'll use the term misstep, but, you know, it, it's the first bit where you can kind of start seeing some of the veneer peeling away is, is probably the stuff of Dooku, because, you know, uh, Christopher Lee, you know, God bless him at this point, it was probably about 106. Uh, so doing leaps and jumps off of the, uh, the balcony might have been a bit much to him. And it's a little bit noticeable that they've just CG'd his face on someone else. <laughs> but you know what, I'll take it. And, you know, we didn't have a huge amount of it. If he'd carried on much longer in the film, it would have been really awkward. But they didn't. They cut it off quite nice and early, so I'll take what, it. What, Well, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but I think, I think it was nice. Well, not nice. I think it was good plot device to get rid of Dooku quite quickly as well and not kind of egg him out right to the end and then have Anakin kill him and then that be the moment you know to get it Mm. and I think this film really has some good examples of how we jump from point to point which I think yesterday I bitched about a lot Um, you know there's a lot more connectivity here and you can really see Anakin being manipulated by Palpatine there is really clearly that is being shown and it wasn't shown in Attack of the Clones. And I'm not sure if it was supposed to be, but it certainly feels like... Uh, yeah, yeah, they don't connect very well. But I could completely ignore yesterday's film. Cheerfully remove it from my brain forever. Uh, and because this is just far surpasses that in every single way. The only bit from, from Attack of the Clones that we need, possibly, is the building of a clone army. I don't think you do, though. I really don't think you do, because I, I, I think that's communicated well. And I also think when, when it has it shown how the clone army is built, it kind of robs it of some of that mystique from the throwaway line in Star Wars, you know, he, he fought in the Clone Wars. Here, we just see there is an army of clones, and, and it, it feels a lot bigger. Whereas I feel in Attack of the Clones, it makes it all feel a lot smaller. This just feels like the dying moments of this epic war, which, you know, for all we know, could have been going on for all of Anakin's life prior to this. I mean, obviously we know it hasn't the case, but, you know, I, I, I think th- there's nothing in Attack of the Clones that I feel that you need to appreciate this film. I think I think you could just throw this film on without having watched The Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones, and I think it introduces each of the characters in an organic way that you can follow along with no problems. I can't disagree with you. There is no disagreement from me here. Uh, I think the other thing that this film does a lot better than Attack of the Clones, which is literally everything, but particularly we don't follow too many stories. There is mm-hmm. there is very clearly Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. They are the two people we are following 
doing whatever they're doing and it's the people that interact around them um i'm I, something i am sad about is there's not more padme but the stuff she was in was complete garbage clearly george lucas wrote all those bits um what the fuck was her outfits in this movie and her hair pa- padme is a massive misstep for me in this film and her the whole way she's she's kind of dealt from start to finish is just a bit crap uh natalie portman's better than that i think the character deserved better than that no, no, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I, I don't hate the Padme scenes, yeah, you know, because once again, Natalie Portman's allowed to actually do some acting in in moments and, and not come across as uh, whatever she was doing in Phantom Menace, uh, or having to put up with the creepy incel that was Hayden Christensen in um, Attack of the Clones. But yeah, there's there's some there's some interesting choices uh, going on throughout there. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just so much more of this is. Letting the characters breathe and letting the audience just pick up on stuff from what they see without it being, you know, outright spoken. Anakin feels like a a, a very competent um, Jedi Knight, a bit headstrong, a bit arrogant, maybe a little bit frustrated, but he's not there going, "I hate everyone. He never lets me do what I want," you know, which was kind of like my overriding feeling from. Attack of the Clones yesterday. And you know what? It'd have been fine if he'd acted like that through Attack of the Clones and then Obi-Wan had had to save him at the end. And it was like, oh no, I understand why Obi-Wan is teaching me this way. But there was no resolution to that in Attack of the Clones. I feel we didn't talk about music yesterday. We're not really talking about music today because it's, it's John Williams, tick, brilliant, stellar. The music has given more space to breathe in this movie, I think. We have more stretches where the music is doing all the heavy lifting rather than dialogue, which makes a huge difference. Yes. Um, yeah. I, but, but before we get to that, though, I, 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 there's something I know you wanted to speak about because you, you, you expressed such admiration for the character yesterday. Your, your favourite, General Grievous? I was sat here like, <laughs> do you mean Jar Jar Binks or C-3PO? Which one did I dunk on yesterday? That uh, I'm going to talk about all three, actually. Jar Jar Binks, even better in this movie. Background character, mwah, could not be better. Thank you very much. C-3PO, again, much better with a lot less C-3PO. They clearly didn't know what to do with him in this movie, so they just didn't include him. Rather than yesterday, where they didn't want to do, so they made him funny. 3PO in Attack of the Clones, that, that is not good. Here, could do without it being 3PO, because... It doesn't have to be free PO, but it, what do you, you know, need a protocol droid for in a war? Well, it, it, the protocol droid is there to be Anakin's butler, effective. Uh, not Anakin's butler, uh, Padme's butler. But it's a, it could be another protocol droid. It doesn't have to be C three PO. Been quite happy if just at the very end, you know, when they're on um, Bail Organa's ship, the Tantu Four, what have you, you just have R two suddenly bump into this gold protocol droid, and that's the introduction. And I'd be fine with that. It'd be like, oh look, it's free PO here. But no, we've. Had him kind of lurking around for um, three films at this point, um, but no, uh, General Grievous. So, so here's the thing with Grievous. I don't know if you recall, uh, but at the time that this film came out, we had the first Clone Wars animated show, the uh, the one done by uh, Tatarovsky, who did the Samurai Jack uh, cartoons, the two D one. Weird, little, like two minute long episodes, like they were super short episodes. Yeah, they were, they were little vignettes, and it did a huge amount because because. You know, this was before the, 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 the CG animated Clone Wars. This this did a lot to flesh out what happened between Attack of the Clones and... and um, imagine just uh, making a movie imagine, about that. Imagine, imagine just making a movie about that. But I remember Grievous was introduced as a really interesting and dangerous character. And, and I mean, <laughs> I don't... Well, this is not canon anymore, but, but the reason he's coughing through bloody um, this film is in there, Mace Windu crushed his lungs with the force. There was just a really amazing little um, combat sequence there. But 
because that wasn't in this film and because it's completely separate, we just have this guy show up coughing his way through every scene. It's like, was the voice actor just on 60 a day and coughing all the way through the recording, so they decided to just roll with it? I, I don't like General Grievous. Sorry. Coughing or not coughing, I think he's a dumb character that had no space in the Star Wars universe. Um, I didn't see the little vignette stuff because it was on uh, cable television. I didn't have cable television, um, so I, I I missed it. And they were they were very very heavily marketed at boys. Uh, so obviously Star Wars war men boys yeah um, no women in Star Wars, uh, which this movie equally highlights. I'm afraid. Uh, but that aside, <laughs> um, did you lose the will to watch? <laughs> Uh, no, but can you believe though Luke is told by Yoda you have a sister he's like well I only know one woman in the whole universe excellent it's her shock woo um, anyway that aside it's just women are not well served in this series it, it, I am not surprised that I was not marketed a show uh, about Star Wars um, at the, in between these movies uh, but yeah Grievous Grievous for me has no purpose and uh, uh, I don't know why they need to have lightsabers. I, I think it kind of removes the coolness a lot of the lightsabers because no, I've got four arms, so I can twiddle four rounds. Woo! Maybe it, when he was trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku, did Count Dooku just stand there swinging them around like on the ends of some straps? I, I choose to believe <laughs> Count Dooku was the fucking shittest Sith Lord, and that's why the Jedi weren't that fucked when he left. Remember they were talking in Attack of the Clones, like, oh yeah, well Count Dooku used to be a Jedi. <sighs> jumped before he was fired that guy that's very much the vibe I got <laughs> like oh he's a Sith well oh no maybe he's a better Sith than he was a Jedi uh, um, I choose to believe Count Dooku was a massive bumbling halfwit basically which is a massive disservice to Christopher Lee Christopher Lee wasn't given any opportunity to act but yeah Grievous they're not really introduced uh, they, they 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 felt like an Indiana Jones villain put in Star Wars. I don't know if I'd say an Indiana Jones villain. I I, I don't mind Grievous a, a, as a character. I, I, I think it was kind of interesting that he is a cyborg, and I think the first... No, How no, the interesting. second... It's never explained. We know nothing about it. He's just... Yeah, but I don't need it explained. It, I, it, I, 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 that's my point. I don't need it explained. I, I thought it was an interesting twist on things seeing a cyborg the, the second cyborgs to my best of my knowledge that we've seen in star wars the first being in the background of jabba's palace are these um spiders with brains floating in jars which i remember traumatizing me as a child but um i, I thought that was just kind of interesting um and, and also when you see how obi-wan uh, eventually kills him by tearing open his armor and then basically shooting his internal organs with a laser and then complaining that it's so uncivilized it's like oh, look, it made me laugh though <laughs> it made me laugh as well but i'm just going like dude this is this is dark <laughs> the way grievous dies is grim i mm. thought that was really grim and then uh, they leave a body there as well because when he turns up later on to steal the ship it's still lying there <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah hmm? a thing but uh, yeah no Grie grievous is, is... I don't know if it would be better served in, in, instead of having Grievous and Dooku as separate ones. You just had just just have Dooku do everything that Grievous did. I mean, the only thing he can't do really is blast a hole in the ship and then walk around the hull to get to the escape pod. Well, if he was a better Jedi, then he could have done because Leia did it. Touche, fair point. I just I think I think for me, Grievous is confusing. Are they 
do they have are they connected to the force do they have midichlorians I feel it was unnecessary and I don't like it which is a shame because I really like all the Obi-Wan stuff in this movie the Obi-Wan stuff for me is a highlight all the way through oh yeah Ewan McGregor is having the time of his life <laughs> and, and, and really really embodies I mean I think it's in this film where he makes Obi-Wan his character it's no longer Alec uh, Alec Guinness at this point I I this is the film which made me think of Obi-Wan Kenobi as Ewan McGregor. And it, yeah, it, it is solely down to this. And it's because he he's charming. He's fun. You know, he, he, he likes being around Anakin. He likes being a Jedi. And you didn't really get that sense in the previous two films. And, and it's like he's just reveling. As you say, it's his hot girl summer. But uh, yeah, he's just having a, he's having a blast and I'm here for it. Do you not think, though, that Obi-Wan and Padme are a much better couple than than Anakin and Padme well I mean clearly Hayden uh, clearly Anakin does because that's why he trips off into a jealous rage later on (laughs) I just watching this I was very much like do you know what I would buy if the twist at the end was these weren't even uh Skywalker kids they were Kenobi kids instead to me that would be like a much better twist or I just I felt like the connection and I I wonder if that's due to direction or just calibre of actors or you know Hayden Christian was a much newer actor than Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman Um, you know I felt they had more chemistry Um, all all I'm saying is there's a triad there to be had it's a galaxy a long time ago far far away (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, I think all my issues. Well, mo- not all. Most of my issues with this film are are through the Anakin Padme stuff, connections, scenes. Um, her hair is dog shit through it. I'm so sorry for Natalie Portman. No wonder why she shaves it off in V for Vendetta. Um, and her outfits are terrible. And this film for me has no pay. No pay. I had no idea how long it was over the span of the film like how long is this film supposed to span over because well, i know because she, she tells her anakin he's she, she's pregnant at the beginning of a film and then she has the babies at the end so but also was, was she's not months? seen him for well but she's not seen him for ages like they start the conversation with her saying i've not seen you for ages i thought they'd never get you back off the outer rim and he's like, yeah. And then she's like, I'm pregnant. And it's one of those like, oh no, serviceman's come home from war and his wife. I've not been home in 12 months. Here's your nine months old, you know, your your three month old child. I, it just, I don't know. It just had those vibes to it. I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> but just, it just, there was no, and I know it's, we, not everything has to be explained to us, but I just found it was quite, I found it took me out of the immersion. It took my immersion away because I couldn't work out where we were in this, kind of story and I think again doing Padme a disservice like she doesn't get to do anything in this film other than brush her hair and be pregnant um, and I think possibly one of the worst depictions of giving birth ever committed to cinema um, oh, yeah. is in this film uh, I'm 99% certain she was not being told to act as if she was giving birth she was just told to be angry or sad I do not feel the actions that Natalie Portman is giving are representative of shoving a baby out her vagina um, and that robot with the giant fucking scoop nope enough to put everyone off childbirth forever if, if I could quote the terrifying son from the California Raisin advert two scoops oh, oh, <laughs> just 
Look, I think it's, it's, it's apparent at this point that George Lucas doesn't know how to direct and potentially even talk to women. That, that's, that's one of my big takeaways from this. Yeah. George Lucas does not know how to write women. It's all right. Russell T. Davis doesn't know how to write women either. It's fine. Um, can we talk about the MVP, though, of this film? Yeah, we can. It's my Ian McDermott. It's Palpatine. It, it's... Yes. Oh, he I love him. He is. He, he, he is enjoying this entire smorgasbord that is the scenery in this film. Because let me tell you, every scene my boy is in, he is chowing down and it is a fine cuisine. He is just lapping it up. He, he, he's I been told... Assume, I assume he read this script and was like, this is dreadful. How many millions? All right, I'm good with it. Look, at this point, I think it's safe to say Ian McDermott will show, show up to uh, open an envelope. You know, he, he, he's, he's Jonathan Frakes' levels of committed to this character he played. And, and this is just, you know, he, he's having the time of his life. He's loving it. it. He's just having so much fun with this scene. And, and I'm here for it. Do you know why? Because once again, Star Wars is pulpy schlock and you want over-the-top melodrama. And if there's one thing Palpatine brings, it's over-the-top melodrama. Just every single... Every single sound out of his mouth is just a delight of hammy acting pitch perfect no notes have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis for wise but the fact he's saying that while watching space opera is just it's like well I just love as well you know you've got his assistants and and, and the rest of his courtiers there too as well and he goes leave us and he's like well I wanted to watch the show leave us (laughs) I was going to say he's doing such a good job of playing the sides against each other. He's not because they're all idiots, but he is doing such a good job of playing the idiots. And it's just, you know. Yeah. And, and I think you said, it right, the, the Jedi are idiots, right? Oh, the biggest, the biggest idiots. He's just slightly less of an idiot than the rest of them. But but he he's playing them like a fiddle. And it's it's just like Anakin Skywalker was groomed. He, he was groomed from it as a child. By Palpatine to become Darth Vader. Furthermore, he was in a cult. I don't necessarily think these things uh, ex- well, they do not excuse what he did in this film, but it does make it slightly more understandable. And and it's it's less of a I didn't see this coming. To more yeah, this, this was coming a long way away. Someone should have probably picked up on these signs because it, they keep putting him and Palpatine in the room together, and they know. Palpa- they, know, they know Palpatine is manipulating Anakin and they keep going you know the dark side is clouding everything and it seems to be centred around the uh, the Chancellor who also when he wearing his and I'm finger quoting here disguise as Darth Sidious to speak to the Separatist consists of his pyjama robes pulled up over his head do you not think at some point the Separatist said uh, have you ever noticed how uh, Darth Sidious looks a lot like uh, Chancellor Palpatine how how dare you? How dare you poke holes in a well-known, well-understood understood disguise trope? Batman covers his head with his cowl. Superman puts on some glasses. How dare you besmirch such excellent, excellent design? Yeah, let's not go poking holes in his master plan, though, because, yeah, uh, that, that way does doff lie madness. Um I really, I tell you what, in this film as well, it's the first time that I thought Mace Windu had a reason to exist. <laughs> Me too, because, but not a great one. Because, well, I mean, you say that, but I mean, you know, he he's clearly doesn't trust 
or dare I say even like Anakin, which makes that final moment when, you know, he's beaten Sidious and he's standing over him with his uh, bad motherfucker lightsaber pointing at him and Anakin shows up. You can understand why there's a moment of, oh, so there's the Jedi Knight who won't put me on the council as the master and has been a dick to me for years, what have you, pointing a lightsaber at a guy who's effectively groomed me, been very nice to me, got me on the council, that sort of thing, and who am I going to go with? It, it just make, makes the eventual obvious decision where he's going to betray them make some sense, rather than it being completely out of nowhere. I, I feel there was at least a layer added on to that. And, and I just... It, it's, it's the first time he felt more like a character and less like Samuel L. Jackson just stepping off of a scene uh, the stage from Pulp Fiction turning up there I can't I, I don't disagree I have not had I, Mace Windu has really not worked for me as a character in these prequels at all I felt like they wanted Samuel Jackson or Samuel Jackson's agent called and said Samuel Jackson wants to be in Star Wars and no one could say actually mate there's no space for you no uh, again I, I don't mind him in this film uh, and he made sense but uh but yeah, it, it, it just felt like he, he turned up to act. Now, uh, speaking of people who who really, really dropped the ball, though, Master Yoda. Uh. This kind of cements his legacy as a really, 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 really bad Jedi Master. Um, it's just... Yeah. I don't know why. Any, any... I don't know why Yoda had to be the head of the council. I think for me, that's the biggest misstep in these three films. If Yoda had been in the background, if Yoda had, if Yoda and Mace Windu had swapped, that would have been brilliant as characters. You know who Yoda? You know, you know who Yoda? Should be? He should be head of the fucking. He should be head of the fucking archives. Even better. <laughs> Just, 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 just some mysterious person full of knowledge and all this. That to, to, to use a Star Trek analogy, Yoda should have been like Boothby, just this this enigmatic character that everyone kind of respects, but no one really knows where he fits into the grand scheme of things. But here, he doesn't work there. And and also, why, why, oh why, do Yoda and Obi Wan not go and face down Sidious together? Uh, are why, they under a time pressure Mace where they have to go and kill Anakin? three random Jedi <laughs> to face off against a Sith Lord. The arrogance of the Jedi is huge in this, I think is... And I'm not sure whether that's intentional or just sloppy writing. Uh, but yeah, I... Uh, but, but Mace Windu aside, though, it's... Yoda is just like, what, why do you not go with Obi-Wan to deal with Sidious? It's, it's like I could find no good reason why because let's face it Anakin will wait he ain't going anywhere he's certainly not going anywhere now well it's well, not in a hurry <laughs> no it's um... <laughs> so yeah that, that's just something that's always kind of you know stood out to me as, as a bit of a uh, uh, maybe maybe the pair of you show up and uh and, and deal with Sidious rather than um, you know going your separate ways like a computer game, so one takes one and the other takes the other. Uh, or, or is it this sort of thing where you have to kill them both at the exact same time, or they regenerate like some sort of hydra? Uh, I, I think you've officially put more thought in it than they did. Quite possibly. So it's something that we've we've skipped over. 
Um, but I, I, again, made a note in this. I really liked the kind of noir setting that they added to some of Anakin's conversations with individual members of the Jedi Council and with Palpatine, um, particularly sort of in the, fir- the end of the first act, start of the second act. They had some real kind of noir style uh, lighting and cinematography that I just really enjoyed. I mean, it was over the top and hammy, but I loved it. But that's, once again, part of the reason why... I, I maintain that this is the best of the um, the, the Star Wars films. It, it is over the top and hammy, which is what Star Wars are meant to be. They're meant to be kind of pulpy shit. I mean, it's the same DP as they've had in all of the other prequels. So, you know, I, I don't think it's the case that someone else is coming. I don't know, is it that the technology got to a point where it was able to keep up with their vision? Or if, once again, as I suspect, there is perhaps akin to... Um, what we see in, in Star Wars. A, a shadowy figure pulling strings behind the scenes, perhaps, to just help this one get across the line. I... I this... this I, I do not see the director of Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones directing this film. It, it's, it's just so much of a step up that I just do not know I was really how that came to be. I was partway through this film and I actually stopped it to Google who the director was because I did not think it was Lucas. I was like, oh, is this like an empire? Like, mm. we, we all assume he directed all three, but actually, we, you know, he didn't direct the original three, he only did the first one and other more competent directors yeah. took over. And I was really like, did George Lucas do this? You know, when you ha- like, like having a, a, a moment of doubt and I was like, oh, it was Lucas. Probably some... Mm-hmm. I, I choose to believe it was uh, maybe Tarantino or someone just in a beard had turned up and been like, yes, I am George Lucas. Hello, let me direct this film. Well, it would, it, 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 if, if it was going to be anyone, it would be Tarantino, it would be Spielberg. And I could I could legitimately see Spielberg at the very least giving copious notes. Because I, I think Lucas actually asked Spielberg to direct it. And he said, no, it's your film, you direct it. I fully it, understand but... why Spielberg would not direct a Star Wars film. Well, not at this point, and not this yeah, one. Well, <laughs> touche on both of those points. Uh, but di- mm. those big kind of things, and I don't think we'll ever get an answer as to why or what happened uh, uh, on how this is such a, a step up and, and such a change. It's like the first two are a new hope and this one's The Empire Strikes Back in terms of just that huge... How, how dare you besmirch a new but, hope? Um, what I mean is a huge you? diversion <laughs> from from okay movie to... X, you know, to, 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 to the distance between them is so great, and we haven't yeah. seen a step up like that. Uh, we've seen a step down, obviously, between <laughs> Return of the Jedi and A Phantom Menace. Um, but this felt like a darker film for me. There didn't feel like there was much joy in this. We had no silly side quests. We had no pod racing. You know, this was this was all killer, no filler. And at times, I think that suffered a bit uh, for, for for going that fast. You know, there was there was a, a like a thirty second sequence on the Wookiee homeworld um, and the battle there, but I felt we didn't get enough. It looked great, uh, but then there was no more of it. I mean, it, it it feels like it's there because they've got to sell the Wookiee toys, and because you know oh, Chewbacca. Why did so, Chewbacca know? need hey, to be hey. in the end? That was just. Because you remember, you remember Chewbacca, don't you? So uh, I so think this well. this film it, it, more than the last <laughs> film suffers a lot for member member Chewbacca. I have fucking told you, Strange, to stop doing that. Yeah, it, it, it's there just to sell toys. You know, it, it, it's it's there to sell the the uh, the Wookiee attack helicopter thing, or um, the Wookiee attack boat, or 
whatever else they're in there. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just people like the Wookiees. Plus, this, this this was a holdover from Empire, wasn't it? Uh, not Empire, uh, Jedi, where the Ewoks were originally supposed to be the Wookiees because Ewok is basically Wookiee spelled backwards. I think so. Well, I mean, I, I know how spelling works. I'm not very good at it, but I know how it works. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder if... I wonder if that is kind of like a do-over or, you know, this is what we wanted or this is what I couldn't have last time, but this is me getting it this time. There's just... I wouldn't have minded if we had more of the Wookiee homeworld. I, I, please don't put Chewbacca in it. Fuck Chewbacca. Don't put him in it. It makes no sense. But it would be mm. nice. The Wookiee homeworld was interesting. You know, we had lots of different uh, terrain going on that we hadn't seen. You know, we hadn't really done kind of luscious uh, vegetation planets in the prequel trilogy at all. Um, well, other than Naboo. But we don't see any of it because we're busy in the city of Naboo. You know, we're in Naboo cities and it's all vistas in the distance. But this felt... I mean, the entire first bit of Phantom Menace, though, is them running through the, uh, through the jungle trying to get away from the drone army. But then we uh, go uh, underwater. water. Yeah, we do. No, no, I, I think with the, uh, the Wookiee stuff... It, all of the worlds we visit here, both um, uh, Kashyyyk, is it Udapal, where Grievous is hiding, and, uh, and Mustafar, okay, Mustafar Saiba, none of the worlds have a distinct personality or feel in the same way Hoth or Tatooine do. And I know that's because Desert Planet and Snow Planet, but, you know, Kashyyyk, it, it doesn't, it feels more like a computer game level, you know, than an actual real world does that make sense I think Mustafar has the same problem I can definitely see that but I think with Mustafar I forgive it a bit more just because it's so visually striking both in terms of the visuals but also in terms of the music and what's taking they, they place in those time moments on Mustafar. Uh, right so I like Mustafar but it's just uh, where am I going to put my big evil base uh, what's the most evil looking planet I can find it's just a, I think it's a bit contrite um, that it's this this old you know volcanic side and I, even if they just said the words go to the dark side of Mustafar or something like that you know so it was like oh this is this is in, it, but it was just it, it, as I said it just felt a little bit contrite that the the lava planet of death is the lava planet of death well as, as we know in Star Wars you only have one ecosystem on, on every planet you go to so um, you know <laughs> it's a city planet it's a desert planet it's a nice planet it's a forest moon it's a um, a water planet uh, and a lava planet, apparently. So, uh, so, so there you go. But yeah, we give. We, we forgive <laughs> yeah, Mustafar. Uh, we forgive Yeah, I mean, it's not like someone's going to build a giant castle on there later on. But um, yeah, Udapau, the planet where they find uh, Grievous, or that that just doesn't feel like and anything. And then you get the, the, the montage sequence during Order sixty six, where you see all the Jedi being slaughtered on all the planets, and 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 all of them just feel like. There's just there's just no 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 gravity to any of them. None I of them would feel have much real. rather for the Jedi dying because it all feels they all die in a shit way. Uh, I've died. I've fallen over. Uh, they all they all die. <laughs> the music's doing a lot it's of heavy lifting the there. <laughs> I would much rather have seen Yoda crumble to the floor as he hears all these Jedi dying or even just get flashes or just anything that was more narratively interesting than you know Order 66 has a montage montage Uh, because that's kind of what we got and it wasn't great I just I think that I think Mm. there is space for more interesting things and there was space for more interesting things and people would have been okay with that 
can, can I just give a shout out as well? If, if anyone hasn't watched this, go and re- watch the last uh, the last season of The Clone Wars, which was released a couple of years ago now, um, where you see Order 66 from Ahsoka's point of view. And, oh my God, that's so fucking good. Go and watch those episodes because that is really fucking cool. So I actually found that really difficult this time obviously knowing the end of the the clone wars and ahsoka story and knowing all that was happening and how deeply connected she's supposed to be to anakin and obi-wan and everything else and he's just in no i know she's not mentioned this because she didn't exist yet they hadn't made they, they had, yeah but it feels really <laughs> difficult now watching this being like oh yeah and, and anakin and you know and, and ahsoka's around here somewhere no idea where but she's around here somewhere um it just it, it's that, but that's always the problem with going back and adding stuff in the past and filling in time gaps and stuff. Is it, it it can then leave the original even more lacking, and I think it does. Well, I I, I don't mind it with what, what happens with Obi Wan. I, I I think that sequence works quite nicely, where you know. We, we... <laughs> In, 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 in only a few shots, we get the sense that him and Commander Cody are at least cordial and friends. He saves his lightsaber um, and gives and it back to him. Where... That's a really good... Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're really this, and there's a sense of, oh, uh, I dropped it again. Oh, thank you, Cody. How kind of you. And then off he goes on his weird little bird I love that thingy. lizard. I um... love that lizard. I unashamedly <laughs> love that lizard. It's my favourite new character in all of the prequels is that lizard. Ah, oh, well, I've got bad news for what happens immediately after he gives about a lightsaber when Cody just goes, open fire, and it's just like, and, and it, oh, it's, it's dead. It's not dead. It's not dead. <laughs> it gets knocked because they shoot above it, so it gets knocked into the water, and Obi-Wan survived the water, so I'm assuming the lizard does too. Okay, fine. Um, but I, I just, I, I, I liked that moment there where, you, where, you, where he literally goes from handing back the lightsaber, saying, oh, sir, you'll need this, to Commander Cody execute order 66 and and off he goes and I, I think shooting the guy just doesn't even blink what's unclear <laughs> in this and i'm still i'm not now i'm saying this i actually can't remember they're programmed to winter soldier style aren't they for order 66 mm-hmm. that yeah. does not come across at all here here it's very much i've told you to do a thing go do it it's a lot more double crossy on terms of the clone troopers than it is yeah a master manipulation and i think and this is again where it could have tied so much better if it had been you know count dooku asking for the the original clone army to be made and then now you know you see cody you know smiling at anakin and goes ah, and holds his head you know or someone says order 66 and then he he stares or you know there was there was again there were there were ways we could have really made that clear that they were being controlled to do something hmm. well i mean I, I think it also comes down to the fact that, that you know if, if we distill down what are the clone troopers uh, they're, called, they're the prototype stormtroopers who are the fascist troops that we see in the original trilogy they're not they weren't supposed to be sympathetic characters that was just something that just came about thanks to the um to the clone wars animated show and dave filoni and, and i think it was probably quite I, I think they were probably quite far into production when they started coming up with the idea of the inhibitor chips and it being beyond their control because you know of, of, of how popular they became in that show yeah I, I i think you're right i think that's been a retcon but again it kind of robs this mm-hmm. film of some of its interest by adding that retcon in 
No, I, I, I can see that. I mean, as has always been the case with all of the prequel films, it's very difficult to distill apart from what's happening on the screen and what we've seen in terms of Clone Wars and Rogue One and um, Rebels and Obi-Wan and all of the other ancillary media which has come out around the prequel trilogy. Because, uh, you know, that, all, of, all of that stuff kind of came post the prequels. You know, the, the original trilogy, there were books, and that was about it. Everything else we've kind of had has has spawned out of the prequel era. So I have a question for you. Okay. As the credits rolled on this, what mm-hmm. is the piece of Star Wars media you wanted to watch next? Uh, as the credits rolled on this... Uh, <laughs> It was probably going to watch Clone Wars, just for the end. I, I really like the final se- season uh, when um, Ahsoka and Rex have to do it, mostly because the music in that whole sequence is absolutely beautiful. I adore it so much. It's a weird Vangelis-y vibe thing, and I know that's very much just a, a me thing. But yeah, I, I wanted to go to um, to Clone Wars. I really wanted to go and watch the Obi Wan series. Really? And then I remember that they fucked it up, so <laughs> I was less bothered. Well, the, the thing is, though, I, I and, and okay, so so the, the big fight between Obi Wan and Anakin in Mustafar, which I love, I love this battle, I love this fight. It has everything I want in a good lightsaber fight. It, it's got, it's got the choreography, it, it, it's got the the, the passion, it, it's got all that stuff, but it's got personal stakes, and the personal stakes have never been higher because. They're, they're literally brothers and you know they are both fighting for what they believe is right and 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 true and just and you can feel the hurt and the betrayal from both of them as, as they're doing this and it, it's just so visceral and it's so raw and and i love watching this and i keep thinking back you know after you know obi-wan has the high ground and then you know uh, helps uh, anakin lose a bit of weight and then anakin catches fire and it's like Obi-Wan just, just push him into the lava mercy kill him mercy kill him but he told you <laughs> but, that he wouldn't kill him that- he was very clear I will not kill Anakin and I love the fact he doesn't he looks away as the man's dying but he is his brother and he he cannot the flaw in Obi-Wan that he cannot mm. bring himself to kill Anakin is beautiful for, for, for the last however many you know 20 years or so it has been that that was the last time Obi-Wan saw Anakin until they meet in the Death Star. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master, which has so much extra gravitas when you watch this film. Now, I don't know how I, I still don't know how I feel about that meeting in Obi Wan. I love it in Obi Wan. I think it's great, and, and that moment when you know he sees through the mask to Anakin, and, and Vader says, um, "You know, uh, I am not your failure. Um, you didn't kill Anakin. I did." I love that moment in Obi-Wan, but I don't know how I feel about it in the wider context of Star Wars going from Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. I wanted to go watch Obi-Wan because I wanted more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi because I finally, as we said earlier, I finally feel like we got Obi-Wan Kenobi in this movie and I wanted more of it. And that, that for me was the sadness or is always a bit of bitterness is we never got more Obi-Wan from uh, Ewan McGregor who clearly understands that character and that narrative and that journey really well. He's a really good actor who really understands what to do with this this character. But we're talking about lightsaber fights. I, I know Anakin fights with his blue lightsaber in this, but I always forget that he fights with his blue lightsaber in this. And, and, I'm, and I'm never sure if I wish that he'd been given a red one 
by when he becomes a Sith. Right. <laughs> and gives him a red lightsaber. I never know if that's something that I would really like because I think that would make this ending much... I think it would elevate this ending if he was fighting with a red lightsaber. He is gone, you know. And if he'd left his blue lightsaber with Padme or, you know, he'd left it somewhere and Obi-Wan had it with him and he said, you know, this is yours. And he was like, no, this is mine. Warm. I, I understand where you're coming from, but I really like it being two blue lightsabers, specifically blue, not a green and a blue or, or a red and a blue, because as Obi-Wan says, they're brothers. They're, they're so alike. They're so desperate to be... You know, Anakin has looked up to Obi-Wan his entire life. At, at least this film would have us believe. You know, we know that wasn't the case because we <laughs> saw the other one. But I like the fact that they're, they're both, you know, kind of fighting together. And, and I really like the fact that it, 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 there's a military term, blue on blue, for friendly fire. And, and that's kind of, you know, what this is in that moment. It is this sense of they are both on the same side. When you have a red lightsaber and a blue lightsaber, you, very, you know very clearly... The person wielding the red lightsaber is the bad guy. And in this moment, I still think it's in a state of flux. Because one of my big takeaways when I was watching through this film, taking away all the other knowledge that we know from what's going on around it and outside from this, you know, Palpatine's not actually wrong in anything he says. Not really. You know, it, it, it's the thing is, yeah, the Jedi are arrogant. The Jedi do see themselves... I mean, they're not democratically elected, whereas... You know, whether or not you like what Palpatine is and everything, the Senate is a democratic institution of the Republic. He's done everything he has done with inside the law. And, oh, yeah, and what he, he got to where he, the, he's uh, in a position of power legally. We saw them all cheering at the end point. He is not, he has been deceitful, yeah, but he has followed but, democratic but, process to get there. But the, the thing is as well, nothing he says to Anakin is a lie. Well, except he can say Padme. Well, I, I, I'm perfectly honest, I think he probably could have saved Padme if he chose to. Fair point. We'll get to that in a second because I have a thought about the Padme thing. But uh, but my, my point is, I, I do see when, when you watch this film and, and you listen to um, what Palpatine tells Anakin and, and what we see play out and how the Jedi behave, I, I, I think there's a justifiable case that Anakin is actually justified in his anger towards the Jedi based on their actions and what they've asked him to do. And yeah, I don't think he's necessarily in the wrong. We, we know... Everything basically up until he goes and slaughters younglings. Yeah, you know, you, you, you maybe have a point there. That was probably a step over a line. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, you're, I think, I think Anakin <laughs> is extremely grey up until that point. And I think you're mm. right. I think, I, get, I don't dislike the blue on blue by any, any stretch of the imagination. I, I like it visually. I just always wonder if that was narratively more interesting to do it the other way or, or whatever I'm, I'm happy with mm. both i think is, is but um yeah made notes again while watching and there's a point where i've just written wait wait the jedi are planning a coup because they do they sit there like well we'll have to get rid of uh this guy that's just been elected and again he has not been elected fairly but he has played the system and they're like well we don't really like that so we're just going to go and slaughter him it's a bit we know through you know the fact that we have seen what is to become of the empire, empire and emperor. And we we know that the empire is a fascist state, uh, and, and it's a horrible state, and, and that's most clearly defined as what we see in Andor. But if if we were to take it that we haven't seen ahead, if we're just based off of what we've seen in the prequel films, what we've seen going on here, uh, I mean, yeah, the Jedi. I mean, no one no one elects the Jedi. They are self governing. They're self policing. Their role within the state is not clearly defined. They they. 
effectively operate as a separate extrajudicial police. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not a regulated militia. It doesn't even seem like they re, re, they don't report to the to the Senate or, or the Chancellor outside of choosing to. It's like you can make suggestions, but it's down to the council to then decide if they want to implement them or not. And this is the politics that works in Star Wars for me, this politics that we're seeing in this film that didn't work in the previous two films mm-hmm. but does here. I'm not going to go into more detail about it because we'll be here for three days and we've got other movies to watch. I have a question for you. This movie is too long. It drags. I, I know you said it dragged. I didn't find that it dragged, but I am just fully committed to the cheesiness of this. I, I, I think of the three films, the pre, three prequel films, it's the least draggy. I think that you could easily cut probably 20 minutes out of this and it wouldn't affect... It in the slightest. I, I I think you can cut all of the Kashyyyk stuff away. I don't think that adds anything to it at all. Uh, and I think you can pare some of the other stuff down. But you could make this tighter. But I personally don't find that it drags. But that is that is me. My my sadness is it's the end that I found dragging. Uh, I felt like you know we were Order sixty six happens halfway through. Like there's there's, and I felt. Mm-hmm kind of the third act started at that point and the third act is way longer than the first two acts but you know why this is don't you it's like this because we know where we have to end up we have a fixed end point here we have to end and we fanned about for two movies that's why and that's what i was saying at the beginning of this you do not need the phantom menace attack of clones to get everything you need to appreciate the, the, the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader. It's entirely encompassed in this film alone. So so my, my actual question was, this movie should have ended yes. on that, well, not on the amazing shot, but the absolutely amazing shot of yeah. the mask being lowered down to the camera onto his face. You mean you, 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 you didn't appreciate the... Master, where's Padme? Is she no, safe? No, and I don't care, because she gave birth. <laughs> he, him... The, the, it should have ended with him doing the Darth Vader breathing on that beautiful side shot, that beautiful, glossy, new, fresh, you know, new car smell Darth Vader that they had right there. You can, you can say you can you can say he had a shiny helmet. I mean, he it's did fine. have. Can a, say that. We're adults here. We're not going to sneak. I up. might though. Um, <laughs> that is the end shot. I didn't dislike the stuff with Bane on Organa and and them going off to to you know Obi Wan going off to deposit Luke um, on Tatooine. I kind I loved all those bits. That all should have been before Darth Vader's helmet was put on. I think that for me is the end shot, and I think the fact it continued after that is a real shame. I mean, I I, I understand the, po- the point you're making there. I mean, I mean, obviously it's supposed to mirror you know the birth of Luke and Leia with the birth of Darth Vader there. Uh, and, I, and I get that. So I, I mentioned earlier I had thoughts about Padme's death, or at least ways I think you could have made it a lot better. I, I think they should have had Palpatine complicit in her death. I choose to believe he was. I'm sorry, my head cannon is that he, he kills her. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I, I, I feel like he should use the Force to kill her if, if she has to die. I don't think she has to die. Also, remembering back to the original trilogy, Leia says she remembers her mother. I mean, why can't she just go off and live on um, older one with um, with Leia? You know, I don't know. Maybe Obi Obi Wan lies and says, "Oh, we only saved one, but you'll be safe here on older one or something." I don't know. But, oh um, yeah, there's a million ways it, they could have done um, this. I always think, actually, yeah. this would have been far better if you'd at, at the start of this film, if she was pregnant, but they already had a secret daughter, so she was already hiding 
or not hide. She had a child and was denying who the father was, or had you know hid who the father was. Yeah. And he was, pre- and she was pregnant again. I mean, honestly, you, you could you could literally film it exactly how it's filmed. Just don't have the fucking scoop droid say she's lost the will to live. Well, no, but they say she's lost the will to live. What the absolute fuck? She's lost the will to live before she sat talking to Obi-Wan. I'm sorry, she's lost the will to live. Well, in the next fucking scene, she's telling us the name of the children and she's screaming the place down. So which one is it? Because... I think it's just a way to get away from medical malpractice, you know. They they, they killed her and they just go, oh, yeah, she... uh, She she was just really sad, so she died. Yeah, no, that's that. Yeah, which that's, is so dumb. Yeah, so dumb. Absolutely. Look, she's done, she's done a dirty in this film, but let's be perfectly honest, she's been done a dirty in all three of these films. And I'm always sad they've never. I mean, in the comics, she gets a bit, but I feel like she is the character that really could do with expanding and giving like a cool story to. But Natalie Portman's expensive, so we're not getting that show anytime soon. No, no, she is. <laughs> she is expensive. I mean, what? Look, I, I've said that I think this is the best. Of this is the best embodiment of what is a Star Wars film. What do you think about that statement? Where, where does this stand in, in the pantheon of all Star Wars for you and, and the statement that this is the best embodiment of a Star Wars film? I think this is the best embodiment of a Star Wars film in the prequels. This is the most Star Wars of Star Wars films made at that point in time. I do not think... But not overall. Not, you, you, so, 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 which one do you think is the most Star Wars? I don't know. Star Wars? We've not finished watching them yet. Obviously, it's going to be Solo. Uh, clearly, um, <laughs> which, by the way, I've watched half of once and hated. So, uh, okay. Have. But then, okay. So, of the six films we've seen thus far, where does it stand? I still think Empire is the most Star Warsy Star Wars film because it has the essence of Star Wars and what it wants. This, I don't hate this film. By a really, really long way, I don't hate this film. That's fair. And, and the thing is, look, of the films we've watched so far, Empire's been the best by a significant margin. But that's why it's not the best Star Wars film. Because at its core, Star Wars should be a bit schlocky. And Empire's it's, it's too good. Okay, so of, <laughs> of the of the less good end, this is the best. Yeah. It's it's just it's fun. That's what I love about this film. It's got Ewan McGregor in it, so that's my problem. Is None of the rest have Ewan McGregor being Ewan McGregor having the best time ever. Hello there. Just, mm. just, it's so dumb. So uncivilised. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I just, <laughs> I, had, I had fun watching this. So there you go. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow, uh, The Force Awakens, which being that's basically a retelling of... Um, Star Wars and New Hope. It'll be interesting to see how we flow from The Revenge of the Sith into that. Uh, but yes, uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. Um, Commander Cody, execute Order 67. Ah.